Hey everyone, welcome to Tom French Preaching. This is the podcast of me, Tom French, preaching, just like the title says. I'm a guy who lives in Melbourne and does Bible talks for youth and other people around Australia and all over the internet. I'm also the author of Weird, Crude, Funny and Nude, The Bible Exposed, the very best book that I have ever written. For more information about my book or to see what else I've been up to, go to my website, tomfrench.com.au. And with that, let's get on with the talk. I think I've told you before that one of my plans when I uh, left school was to become a filmmaker. And, uh, and so in high school, as I went through high school, uh, I was always trying to find any opportunity I could to make films. And I made a film with my friends for drama once, and it was a roaring success. Uh, we, we sold 40 copies on VHS to our friends at school. So we were uh, the biggest selling VHS in St. Ives High School. And, uh, and then we made another film, which was a film about a panda that was getting racially discriminated against in the workplace, uh, which was a commercial failure. Uh, we sold no copies, uh, but it was a critical success. And my geography teacher said it was a film with a timeless message for all people for all time, which is also tautology. Uh, so that went really well. So I thought, well, we've gone so well now, we're going we're gonna to make a really big, big project. And so when the Christmas holidays came around in between year 11 and year 12, we decided we're going to make a film, we're going to put two weeks aside, and we're going to spend all the time filming. We, we found our friends who could act. Uh, I wrote a script, uh, which uh, I thought was amazing. I wrote it in about three hours, which probably should have told me something, but I thought it was great. It was going to be about 40 minutes long. It was the story of a, a, a kid who was, you know, meant to be a man, but he was, you know, 17, and he had, was playing a game on his phone, and then just as he was about to get a high score, uh, he lost his phone, and then he went on a, an odyssey to get his phone back so he could get the high score, which, be, you know, he found himself, you know, in a criminal underworld and at parties with drugs and violence and car chases, and eventually someone died even as he tried to get his phone back. It was, it was a big deal. So we, we started making this film. We got our actors and you know, we, we booked our locations and we started filming it. And everything was going what we thought was quite well. But things you know, started to, we saw like there were some problems. And we knew that we were just on the cusp of this time when you could start editing films on computers. And I thought, well, if we're editing on a computer, we can do anything we want. So any problem we had, I was like, well, we'll just fix it on the computer. That'll be fine. <laughs> there was one scene we were filming which was set in a... Uh, in a school, and there was, um, we were in the playground, and there was this standoff between a guy with a gun and the guy who had the phone, and like, give me the phone, and give it, and we were filming this, it took two days to film, and we filmed on the first day, and when we came back the next day, uh, some groundspeople had come and like dug a hole, like right where we were filming, and we were like, well, it doesn't matter, we can deal with that later on the computer, so we were filming, and as we kept filming, then uh, some, pe- some ash filters turned up, and then filled in the hole, and then we were like, oh, it doesn't matter, no one will notice, and we kept filming. So throughout the scene, there was no hole, then there was a hole, then there was a filled-in hole, and we're like, we'll be able to fix it on the computer, it'll be fine. 
And then when all the filming is done, I sat down on the computer, uh, not the computer, I wanted a computer, and it turns out I couldn't use the computer, so I sat down with my VHS tape and my VHS tape, we were trying to edit them together. I was like, this could work, and I realized that it couldn't work, I couldn't make it work, I couldn't fix the terrible script, and I couldn't fix the hole in the ground, and I couldn't make footage appear where we'd forgotten to film stuff, and I couldn't get the crew out of the space, I just couldn't fix it, and I became overwhelmed by all the problems even the bit that was you know, meant to be the, you know, the, the most exciting bit of the film or the bit that we were all most excited about, which was the kiss. We'd written a kiss in. Even that bit didn't work. Nothing was working. And all my friends were saying, where's the film? I was like, I don't know where the film is. And they're like, when's it coming out? It's like, oh, very soon when I just get it finished. And I just hoped they would stop asking because I was feeling overwhelmed by all the problems. And eventually I just gave up. I was like, this film is not happening, it's not coming out, we're not doing it, it is done. And I left it, and, and it's never seen the light of day. Like, the, the unedited tapes are sitting in my cupboard at home now. If anyone wants to edit them and fix it, <laughs> they can give it a shot. But I gave up, because it's too overwhelming, there's too much stuff there. And, and my guess is that there are times in your life when you have felt that about things going on in your life, that you've got these great plans, these great dreams, and then all these problems start coming and they mount up and they mount up and you get overwhelmed by all the things that are coming at you and you just want to give up. You just want to be done with it. You want to leave it. And there are some things that's fine. You can do that. If you're making a terrible student film in your Christmas holidays, nothing's going to go wrong if you give up on it. But there are other things which you can't do that with. You can't do that with your family and you can't do that with your friendships and you, you can't do that with just life in general. And as we face this world and we face this brokenness of this world and we face the brokenness within us, the question is how do we respond if we can't just give up? And as we feel the mounting pressure of all the things that are happening in us or happening in our relationships and the mounting pressure of the things that are happening in the world, when we look at you know, the, the, the things that are happening in politics and it doesn't matter where you sit, chances are you're feeling anxious about what's happening there. Or you look at the things that are happening uh, in, with climate change and you're feeling anxious about the threat of that. Or you look at the things uh, that are happening uh, with um, employment or with the economy and all these other things that are out there and they mount up on the things that are happening in here and the things that are happening in your relationships. And you say, what do you do? How do you respond to this? Well, in this passage that Isaiah is, has written here, he gives us a way to respond to the brokenness of the world. And he is writing uh, for his people, writing as a representative of Israel, and he is writing to them, and he is, or writing for them, and showing how they can respond as they sit in this space uh, where they are looking at their brokenness, and they're looking at their uh, nation that has been uh, invaded by other countries, their nation that has been taken into exile, their nation where they have seen their most holy places desecrated by foreigners. And how do they respond to this brokenness? Well, we see that they respond in three ways. They respond in faith by looking at what God has done in the past. And they respond in honesty by looking at their situation right now. And they respond with faith again as they look forward to what God can do in the future. And this is how we too can respond, so that we can respond to the brokenness of this world with faith and with honesty and with faith again. First, we see that 
uh, we can, that Isaiah looks back to what God has done, which can give us faith. You see, in verses uh, 7 to 12, uh, he, sorry, 7 to, yeah, 7 to 12, he gives us this uh, kind of recollection of what God has done. He says, I will tell of the kindness of the Lord, the deeds for which he is to be praised, according to all the Lord has done for us. Yes, the many good things he has done for Israel, according to his compassion and many kindnesses. And we, and we see that he, the people of Israel, he talks about how they recall that God saved them when they were in Egypt, in slavery in Egypt, and God rescued them then. And as they look back to the past, then they can know that whatever situation they are facing right now, it is not all there is. Because there has been more than what is right now. There has been more than what they can see. God has acted on their behalf in the past. When you remember the past, it shows you that there is more for you. There is more for you. You are not just caught in the particular situation that you're in. And now, I don't, I don't know what you are like uh, when you get sick. Uh, sometimes uh, when I get sick, uh, when I get a cold, like I forget about all the other times I've had colds. And so, the, uh, you know, I'll get the, the throat starts to get sore and I'm like, oh, I think there's a cold coming. And then, you know, then the, the nose starts running and your head gets full and then everything gets achy and you're like, oh, I just want to lie on the couch all day. And then you forget the fact that, that this is only for a day or two. And you think, this could be it. I could die. <laughs> or if, if I don't die, I might be stuck with this for the rest of my life. And I'll just, you know, see the whole world in a haze with a runny nose and a terrible throat. And, and this, this is, the, this is I'm, I'm done for. I'm just going to have to lie on the couch and watch Netflix for the rest of my life. This is terrible. But then you can, if you actually put your mind to it, you can think back and say, actually, no, this is not all there is. I remember I've had, I've had a cold in the past. And, you know, my head gets full and my nose gets runny. And then, you know, after a few days, the nose clears up, the head gets less full and the cough comes and the cough goes. And then you're fine and then you forget that you ever had a cold until it turns up again a few months later. And if you, when you're in the moment, you think it's all there is, but then you remember what has happened in the past and you realize, well, this is not... This is not as big, as big as it needs to be. And we can remember our past too. We can remember the past, in the past what God has done for us. And that whatever we are facing right now, it is not all there is. Because God has worked for us in the past. God has worked on our behalf and we know if He has worked on our behalf in the past, He'll work on our behalf again in the future. And you may think, well, yeah, I know God did some things for me when maybe w when I first became a Christian, He answered some prayers and, you know, those times then I felt, you know, then I felt close to God, but He hasn't done anything now and He hasn't done anything for a while, so I have no reason to think that He'll do anything in the future. Except what, what Isaiah is talking about here is not saying look back just to, you know, the last 20 years of your life. He's saying look back to what God has done over millennia that God has been working for His people again and again and again. And our collective past is that 2,000 years ago, God came to us in His Son, Jesus Christ. And God died for us and rose again so that we might have life in Him. And that you can hold on to that as a fact that is true and is always true and will never change. That God has acted on your behalf. 
And if he has done that for you, then this moment right now is not all there is. And what you are facing now is not all there is. And God is not uninvolved in this world. He has not just left us and said, oh, you know, off you go and I'm going to sprinkle my blessings from heaven. No, God has acted physically in this world and become part of this world. And so if he has done it in the past, then he's going to be, continue to be invested in this world. Jesus rose again physically, so he's going to continually be invested in this physical world. And so we can hope in the future that this is not all there is. We look to the past and it gives us faith and hope for the future. But the second thing that we see that Isaiah does uh, is that he is honest about the situation. He is honest that they are not in a good space. Uh, He is honest that the the reason why things are so bad for Israel is because of their sin. He is honest that they feel abandoned by God. Uh, He is honest uh, that even the the best things that they try and do uh, come out as sin, come out as dirty rags, which is like menstrual cloths. Like this uh, This is some of the most honest language about the human condition that we see in the Bible. You know, so often we get, you know, this idea from, you know, Christians that, you know, well, you've been saved by Jesus, so you should be happy. And, you know, everything should be good. And every, we should just, you know, cheer up and get on with life because things are great. You're a happy, saved, happy Christian, get on with life. But this is not what Isaiah is doing. He's being very, very clear that this is, life is not how it should be. And there is brokenness here, and we can do the same. We don't have to pretend that everything is all right. Because when we pretend that everything is all right, then we have no way of responding appropriately to it. We just ignore the issues around us and pretend that everything is fine while everything just falls apart. And I've told you before that, um, that I'm a celiac, which is you know, not that interesting, but uh, what happened for me, the way that I got diagnosed is that um, my, a lot of people in my family got diagnosed with celiac disease. And celiac disease means that I can't eat um, wheat or barley or oats or rye, which means most of the best foods I can't eat. I can't eat donuts and I can't eat, you know, like bread and I can't eat, you know, McDonald's burgers. I can't eat Vegemite. I can't eat some vitamin C tablets even. It's very disappointing. And so when a uh, when my family kind of started getting diagnosed, and like my dad got diagnosed, and my auntie got diagnosed, and a bunch of my cousins got diagnosed, even my adopted sister got diagnosed. <laughs> People started saying to me, I was like, oh, Tom, maybe you have celiac disease. I was like, maybe I don't. I like, maybe you do. And I was like, well, if I do, I don't want to know. Why would I want to know? That would just ruin my life. Like, everything good I can eat, I can't eat anymore. And I can only really cook pasta, so I will just (laughs) die of starvation. And so this went on for a while, uh, but, you know, things were were going all right. But then I, you know, I'd get sick, you know, every now and again. And then I'd get sick every few months. And then I'd get sick every month. And then I'd get sick every week. And I just kind of lived with constant stomach cramps and I was losing weight. And people were like, Tom, you should go see a doctor. Emily, who I was dating at the time, she was like, you should go see a doctor. I was like, yeah, I should, but also Krispy Kreme. (laughs) But eventually I I got, it was too much and I went to the doctor and then the doctor was like, you have had this for a long time. 
I was like, yes, I have. And she was like, you're an idiot. <laughs> but I got diagnosed and she told me what I could eat and what I couldn't eat. And then suddenly I got better. But I, was, I didn't want to face up to the fact that, that life was actually not that good. I wanted to continue in this thing that everything was fine. I didn't want to look honestly at my situation. And even though I got to live you know, an enjoyable life eating whatever I wanted, slowly but surely I was just killing myself. And when we don't look at our situation honestly, it's not good for us. And we might not want to dwell in negativity, but if we just dwell in this false optimism, we don't face the reality of our situation, so we can't respond to the reality of our situation. And so we can be honest about where we are at. We can be honest about how we feel about this world, and we can be honest about how we feel about our sin as individuals, or our sin as a society, we can be honest and we should be honest. And if you feel like the people around you can't handle your honesty, then you can tell God. He can definitely handle your honesty. He sees you and He sees this world clearer than you ever will. And so you don't have to pretend that everything is all right. You can be honest. Because only when you are honest, then can you start to respond properly. And that's what we see Isaiah doing. But he doesn't just leave us there as well, because that would be depressing. If we just said, this world is the worst, and I feel like the worst, and everything is the worst, and that's the end, well, what would the point be? But he asks us to have faith again, to look what God has done in the past, to look at where we are now, but to have faith at what God is going to do in the future. We see in chapter 64, Uh, In those opening verses, those great verses where it says, Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down, that the mountains would tremble before you, as when fire sets twigs ablaze and causes water to boil, come down and make your name known to your enemies and cause the nations to quake before you. He's asking God to act because he knows that God has acted in the past and he knows that God can act again. He has faith that God will work in this world and he will put this world right. That all that is broken will be remade. All that is bad will be done away with. All that is sin will be judged. God is going to put this world right and we look forward to that. And while Isaiah didn't know exactly what was going to happen in the future, he just had faith that God would act and God could act that this is not all there is, we know more. We have seen more than Isaiah has seen. Uh, The last time I was here, I got to talk to you guys about Acts chapter 1, when Jesus has died and he has risen again, and then he goes up into heaven, and the disciples are looking into heaven, and some angels turn up beside them and say, why are you looking up at this guy? Jesus, who is gone, is going to come back the way that he, he left. The promise in the Bible is that Jesus is coming back again and he's going to put this world right. That this, there is going to be a new heavens and a new earth. There's going to be a new creation. We aren't just taken up into heaven and God says, forget about all that, it's done. No, God is going to remake everything. And that we get physical lives in this physical world and everything will be put right. Sin will be judged. We, will be, we are forgiven and we'll be set free from the sin that binds us, the relationships we have that are broken will be made right. Everything will be put right when Jesus returns. 
And so we can have faith that God is going to work in the future. And what that means then is that we now then can have a solid hope for how we live now. It changes how we live. This is a hope with precedent because we have seen God work in the past. And so we know that he's going to work in the future. We aren't just making stuff up because we've seen the character of God. When I was a kid, uh, I had this dream that I would become the world's youngest policeman. Uh, it was stupid, but I just thought, I thought, you know, you know, maybe there would be, you know, when I was at school and I was, you know, in a running race, someone would see me and say, he can run very fast. He could probably catch a criminal that's running away from him. We should sign him up to the academy. And I had this dream of being like a 10-year-old policeman, which was, you know, I, I enjoyed thinking about it, but, you know, it's never, it never happened. It's a hope with, without precedent. Never in, in the history of the world has been a, there been a 10-year-old policeman. Or if there has been, then I, I guess that that society probably does not exist anymore because they employed 10-year-olds to deal with crime. It was, a, it was a dumb hope. But there is another hope that I regularly have, and that is the hope of McDonald's. <laughs> now, you might say, Tom, you can't eat McDonald's because you are a celiac. You just told us that. But when I go to McDonald's, I ask for it without the buns, and I put a corn thin on top and a corn thin on bottom, and I get a crunchy burger, and it's great. And I was on Facebook the other day, and there was an ad that said, hey, guess what, Tom? The Aussie Angus burger is disappearing soon. I was like, I love the Aussie Angus burger. We've got to go. And then when Emily came home, I was like, let's go to McDonald's. And she was like, maybe tomorrow. So I was like, tomorrow we're going to McDonald's. So the next day we went to McDonald's and I got my burger and it tasted amazing for a McDonald's burger. It was great. I had an excellent time. And the reason why it tasted so good and I had such a great time is because I knew what it was going to taste like. I tasted it before and I knew that I could look forward to what it was going to taste like again. In the, that in-between time when I'd seen McDonald's work in the past, I knew that McDonald's was going to work in the future. I knew what McDonald's was going to be like. It was a hope with precedent. And as we look towards the future, we know that God is going to work. It is a hope with precedent because God has worked in the past. God worked when he brought his people out of Egypt. God worked when he came to us in his son, Jesus. God worked when Jesus died and rose again. God worked when he brought us into his family. And God will work when Jesus returns and sets this world right. So we have hope, which now means that as we face the brokenness of this world, that it's not up to us to fix everything, because God is going to work. And we don't have to get everything right now because one day God is going to set everything right. We don't have to feel either that we should ignore it all and do nothing or that we should despair because we can't do anything. But we say, well, what can we do right now? What one act can I do today to love my neighbor? What one thing can I do to work towards reconciliation with that person? What one thing can I do to be a better citizen of this world? What one thing can I do to encourage our politicians to respond better with love and generosity? What one thing can I do? Because I don't need to fix the brokenness of this world. That's Jesus' job. My job is to love him and to love others. To respond with faith and to respond with honesty and to respond with faith again. And in that, through that, then I can do the small things to live faithfully in this world as I wait for the time that God is going to set everything right. This is a difficult world that we live in, but it's not a world without hope. 
We have seen God act, and we'll see him act again. And so we can live with hope in this broken world now. I'm going to pray for us. Father God, we thank you that you work. That you're a God who does not encourage false optimism and you don't encourage despair. But you encourage faithful living because we have seen your faithful work for us. We've seen you work in the past and we will see you work in the present. And we will see you work in the future. I pray, God, that you'll help us to be honest about our situation, that we know that we do not have to pretend the, that this world is all good, that we are all good, that everything is amazing. But we can be honest and faithful followers of you because we know that you are a God who is at work and will work again. Amen. Well, that was the talk, and I hope it was helpful for you. If you want more talks or to read my blog or order my book or even to book me to speak, remember to go to tomfrench.com.au. It's my home on the internet. You can also find me on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash TWFrench or on Insta at TWFrench. And don't forget to give this podcast a rating and review wherever you get your podcast so that other people might be able to discover it too. Till next time, have a good one.